Torture. Is it? Yeah. Uh, I don't I know. I've I've watched it a couple of times. I remember watching it originally because like, hey, Mike Myers. Yeah. I haven't seen this one, and I watched it. And I was like, this is not a very good movie. Uh, the Stephen Wright scene in the plane is very funny, very but, funny. Yeah. but that's not even a Michael Myers scene. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah, he's not in the plane with him. You're you're right about that. But I don't know. I like the gags in it, like where he's dangling from the roof, and his why the axe murdering wife is like swinging the axe at his hands, and he's just flipping back and forth to like like she's and he's just like oh no and like that goes on for a while like that fucking cracked me up i like that that was goofy and slapstick yeah so you're into i like a good slapstick a, a good slapstick comedy. sure yeah yeah i enjoy i mean i think slapstick is like one of those like tried and true like kinds of comedy things like obviously there's you know there's a limit three to stooges. it yeah, yeah right but it's, like, it's always funny to see somebody get hurt yeah right like it's, it's super goofy like 30 rock does a great job of handling like slapstick comedy and stuff like that and like and it's on the nose like like they know it's like this is like a base level joke but like we can all laugh at something like that guy walks into a room with like a plate full of puddings and, Ooh, and like, falls out, like that's hilarious <laughs> yeah. hello and welcome to torture jams the only music trivia podcast that asks you about the songs you love to hate and hate that you know. I'm your host, Ryan. Here with me always is my co-host, Katie. Hi! And playing with us today is our guest, Ted. Hello. Hi. How you doing, Ted? I'm doing pretty good. Are you going to do that voice the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It'll come and go, I think. You know, when it feels right. Have you been on a podcast before? No, but I was a radio DJ for a while, so... Oh yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, well, I, when I, I was in college at Brawla, the Missouri S&T, they have a, ra- a student-run radio station there. It's been around for like 60 years or something like that. It's super old. It's really cool, honestly. They've got this old, uh, like the radio station is in this old building on campus that's got tons of like mural artwork from like students in like the 70s and like stuff like that, which is really cool. And they've got this massive vinyl library, so... I had a, a few radio shows actually. Uh, I went by D- DJ Bro Nana was my my okay. handle, and my show name was the Banana Hammock. Uh, so it was a lot of like eurocentric media. <laughs> yeah, sure. But it was a lot of just like you know you're in the Banana Hammock with DJ Bro Nana. This is Cam and R eighty nine seven. You know, like that kind of thing. So yeah, I've got a time style. Yeah, totally. Uh, and I had a film talk show, and I also just did like a variety kind of like I had like people come and like you know. Just play whatever music they wanted and that kind of thing. So what kind of music would we hear on the Banana Hammock? That So that was an interesting time in my life because I was I had moved from Webster Groves and so I hadn't really like broadened my horizons entirely because Webster Groves, and it's a suburb of St. Louis, was really just kind of a yuppie, like ex-hippie, like did good, you know, later in life kind of community. Uh, so it was a lot of white people. Uh, and then when I moved to Rolla to go to school there, it was more of the same really. And so... I guess really my the music I was listening to is kind of all over the place. Like, <laughs> this is a long way of saying it was Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> no, actually, never that. Actually, no, I um, I did. I mean, there was I went through a pretty heavy ska phase. Okay. So I played a lot of Real Big Fish, uh, and then I also played. But I was also into like old school funk music and like soul music. So I was playing like Otis Redding and like Funkadelic and like Defunct and uh, Parliament, obviously, and James Brown and things like that. But then I would also have, like, a dubstep, like, EDM show. So it was kind of all over the place. I, I shared one semester, uh, my show, I shared it with another guy uh, who was super into metal music. And that was an interesting thing, because I would play, like, Funkadelic, and then he'd play, like, you know, Children of Bodom or something like that. And, like, it was super, like, hardcore stuff. So it was, it was an interesting, like, dichotomy to that show, because it would flip-flop between two very different genres. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, the film talk show was particularly cool because I had the film professor from like can't like the professor actually come on and like he was a regular on the show with us and I'd have different themes like we talk about horror movies or we talk about comedy movies or like whatever I'd play clips from YouTube on over the air and stuff like that. It was it was a lot of fun. So never anything that's like late nineties to early thousands. We have to check to see yeah. if this lawnmower is being picked up. I'm closing the window for you guys. Yep. There you go. For our listening audience of like yeah. two. <laughs> Gotta be professional. It's only the people that have been on it. <laughs> Humble beginnings. But yeah. So never anything that was like late nineties to early two thousands pop music? Not exactly. Uh like I mean you could kinda call Real Big Fish that. Like they're they're like hits, you know, like beer or whatever and like that kind of thing, and uh, but I did do like I did do kind of similar to just your your aesthetic here about just like torture jams, and like I would have shows like there was a there was a call in show that like it was part it was a job at the station that like you know you had a schedule where like you know once a month or whatever you had to go host the the variety show or the call in show, 
But it was a small town, and we did have actually a, kind of a surprising audience for how uh, small the community was that people, the locals, would tune in. But we didn't get a lot of call-ins during a the lot, call-in show. A lot of rude boys running yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, basically, people would get drunk and come in because it's a very heavy drinking town. Uh, but anyways, uh, we did do this call-in show, and, the, and when I hosted it, my whole thing was that I would play really horrible, obnoxious music until someone called in and stopped us, was my whole thing. So I would play like... You know, small town or whatever. That, that who's that? John, John. Who's that? Oh, is that John? Born Cougar? in a small town. Yeah, born in a small town. Is it? I'm I, gonna say John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah, that's that what sounds I think. right. Yeah, right. I fucking hate that song. Like he says small town like 500 <laughs> times in like two minutes. It's horrible. Uh, but one of my favorite thing was we found I, I I found in the archives of like their thousands of vinyls they had a soundtrack written and composed by L. Ron Hubbard oh, for yeah. the book Battlefield Earth. Uh, and I love the movie Battlefield Earth. It's like so ridiculously bad, and like never made it all the way through. Oh, it's hysterical how bad it is. And like John Travolta is this weird alien with like high platform shoes that like don't fit him, and it's like there's such kooky dialogue in it. But anyways, long before the movie came out, there's this book, and L. Ron Hubbard composed this like electronic you know soundtrack for the book. Uh, and it's super old school, like 80s synthesizer, like laser noises and like weird stuff like that. So I would play that on the radio, like, you know, midnight or whatever, waiting for people to call in and, and stop me. Sometimes we would play the whale noises, the, the Leonard Nimoy whale no- noises uh, album. I don't, I don't know that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, Leonard Nimoy had this weird like whale like phase where he was like super interested in <laughs> whales and whale noises. And that the, explains under... Uh... Star Trek it does it, it, it actually does literally um and so he has this album where it's just whale noises and we would play that on the radio and we loved the idea because again small town highway town i would love the idea of someone like random person just driving down the highway and like turning on their radio and just hearing whale noises and not knowing why and like just like <laughs> just scrubbing through the radio waves like, this is whale noises in this weird frequency what is going on in Rolla, missouri well because and I as I was getting to, uh, because this show generally does focus on the late nineties to early two thousands pop music, and sure. because you have mentioned that this was not a genre that you were incredibly familiar with, I did go ahead and create an episode all for you, right, off of your chosen genre, which was hip hop. Yes, that makes sense. Because when I left Rolla, moved to Kansas City, I, I kind of had a whole style change and I got super into rap music. I've always liked rap music and like growing up in white people town I always felt embarrassed to like rap music and so I just I pretended that I was like ironic like oh I'm only ironically enjoying this. So when I moved to Kansas City and I felt more comfortable I fully embraced it and so yeah ever since then that was like six seven years ago now or more uh, and I've been listening to hip-hop almost exclusively since. Well I've got a special treat for you today because in researching this podcast I end up coming up with some really bizarre things. And I can safely say this might be the strangest project I've ever stumbled on. (laughs) Little bit of background on what I found. In 2008, Vanilla Ice, better known as Rob Van Winkle, signed to Cleopatra Records. Uh, And for those who know Cleopatra Records, this was a label that was mostly known for putting out some of the best of the 80s post-punk goth albums. So (laughs) I don't know what happened to them that by 2008 they were signing Vanilla Ice. But he put out one album with them, and it's this album that we're going to play all the songs from. It's called Vanilla Ice Is Back, (laughs) a collection of covers of classic hip-hop and reggae songs. Oh my god. So what you'll need to do is tell me the song title and the name of the artist that originally made the song famous. Okay. You feel ready? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) And just a quick overview of the rules again. I'll be playing the song, intro through first chorus. You'll then need to tell me, again, the song title and the name of the artist. After five songs, we'll review your score and then play a little bonus round to see how (laughs) we can double your points oh boy i want to double those points so so far the average score on this podcast is between one and two (laughs) okay (laughs) the expectations are not very high but considering that these are pretty classic songs i'm expecting you probably do pretty well all right all right we'll jump right in with song number one Oh my God. <laughs> you don't get the song title. <laughs> I have on this one, uh, 
listened to some of the covers. Yeah, jump around. Because Ryan was so excited about finding this. And he just does his best impressions of the original artist. Like, he has no artistic integrity in any of this. Wow, I wasn't expecting the metal. The metal. <laughs> this sound. I and I mean I've been listening to this album on almost repeat the last like two weeks. <laughs> it's wow. the only one where he does that. That's insane. of all the songs. Is he just decided? It makes me that wonder if this was, should be a rap rock version. Yeah, was that Vanilla Ice's idea, or did they just bring him in and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna have you rap this cover over our metal instrumentals." It's actually kind of tough, weirdly, to find a lot of information about this album. <laughs> <laughs> production history that's great um i don't know how involved he was in the song productions i'd venture to say a lot because they're terrible oh yeah well that makes sense (laughs) almost like a lot of them are going to sound like they just took uh the track from a karaoke Karaoke, yeah okay yeah that makes sense so what do you what do you think? Well, I mean, it's "Jump Around" is the name of the track. Uh, I don't know the the group. I, it, it's funny with the metal music. I want to say like it makes me think of that Anthrax. Uh, was it? Uh, uh, yeah, with, uh, with Public Enemy. Yeah, thing. that's it. And with uh, Flavor Flav. Yeah, it makes me think of that. But I can't play. I don't think that's that's right. It's not the Public Enemy that did that. Originally released in 1992, that was House of Pain. Oh, right. With Jump Around. It hit number three on the U.S. charts and number eight in the U.K. The song was produced by DJ Muggs of Cypress Hill to be used by Cypress Hill, but was rejected by Be Real. It was then offered to Ice Cube, who also rejected it. (laughs) The song was finally given to recent Tommy Boy signee House of Pain. A major debate continues to this day over the infamous squeal that permeates the song (laughs) that was oddly removed from this cover version. (laughs) (laughs) This love of the roots, a renowned Prince scholar, has claimed that the shriek is actually a sample of Prince from the beginning of his song, Get It, while others point to a saxophone squeal in the Junior Walker song, Shoot Your Shot. DJ Muggs claims that neither were sampled, though Questlove believes that this has been a conspiracy to prevent paying royalties to Prince. House of Pain disbanded shortly after the success of Jump Around, and lead vocalist Everlast went on to have a successful solo career. As a side note, I don't know why I remember this, but I do remember being at a Scholastic Book Fair back in elementary school and seeing a biography of Everlast for sale. (laughs) I think a friend of mine actually bought it, but I really wish I had it. And I've gone (laughs) looking for it before (laughs) to see what the biography of Everlast intended for an elementary school student would include. I can't imagine what would yeah, be in there. That's interesting. The the chain of events that led to that being for sale at a Scholastic Book Fair is interesting as well. I would like to know the background behind, like the the, the men in suits that were like, "Yeah, we should." Kids love that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good idea. Kids will buy this, or their parents will. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> they'll support this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I assume at that time it was mostly parents living listening to Everlast because uh, what it's like was not really. <laughs> great song no. for a nine-year-old yeah I, I wouldn't even be able to place like everlast like as a name like I'm, I'm sure i've heard music by them but like i that's not a household name for me uh what it's like was the big hit yeah um, that sounds and you don't know what it's like mm-hmm. it does sound familiar it's uh yeah like uh, the song is a bunch of vignettes of people's lives and they're all just tragic <laughs> you mean music video i don't i don't remember the music video what happens in that one Oh, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I, so the lyrics themselves are vignettes. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. Every, when every... you say vignettes, I think of something sure. visual. Yeah, yeah. So... Right. short films. Right. Uh, every verse is like, Tommy was a good kid and he got good grades, but then he got into drugs and his life fell apart and he got his girlfriend pregnant and now he's just dead. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's dark. That's crazy. All right, we're going to jump right in to song number two. Once and I cannot lie. Oh, okay. And brothers can't deny. And yeah. when a girl walks in with a eating, so and a round thing in your face, you get sprung. Want to pull up tough because you notice that This is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> 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 He's doing his best impression. 
And this is the this is track two. This is track two on the album. Wow. So we go from metal cover of Jump Around to. Oh, I did actually put this in a different order of the album because I wanted to start off light okay. with a cover by somebody who is also white oh, okay. because he gets deep into his impersonations of black voices oh, as further go on, and I just didn't want to like. <laughs> I didn't want to start on top ten. Right there. Fair enough. Oh my god. Jeez. <laughs> Vanilla Ice is just like the cringiest, like, I don't know, faux hip hop star, like, ever. It's hilarious. That I, was his best impression. Oh my god. Yeah. It's, right? Right. You know, when I was a kid, I remember listening to, you know, Ice Ice Baby or whatever. Sure. And I didn't have any taste at the time, so I enjoyed that song. Oh, I love Ice Ice Baby. Sure. He inspired me to want to be a rap star. Oh my god. I'm sure he inspired a lot of small white children, especially in California, to, to become uh, a rap star. Uh, but no, I remember like defending Vanilla Ice to my dad. That was just like, you know, and my dad, he does not like hip hop at all, but he does really love like old school soul music and like the Temptations and like that kind of thing and, and James Brown, like Motown kind of sound. So I, it's it's funny. He has a, a weird like insight to like hip hop music, though he doesn't listen to it himself. That being said, he was like he. I remember when I was like probably you know, 10 years old or something like that, listening to Vanilla Ice, him being like, oh, he's such a poser. <laughs> Vanilla Ice is the biggest What's poser ever. What's really funny to consider, too, is that most, yeah, most hip-hop comes from samples of funk, soul. Right. Yeah, that's where uh, it comes from. Vanilla Ice very specifically sampled Queen with David Bowie. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. And it, you know, listening to him defend that, like the one the one change in like the hi-hat ride or whatever in it, there's like a break in it and that's like the one him, difference. Have yeah. you seen the interview of him yeah, explaining right. it too? Like mm-hmm. it has a ding at yeah, the end. The yeah. dumb. I don't know if you know this or not, but the song was actually written by a, a rapper named Chocolate Ice. Oh, wow. And that's what precipitated the very infamous... Uh, Suge Knight dangling vanilla oh, ice over the balconies because he didn't pay the royalties oh, to chocolate wow. ice. I didn't know that. That's that's interesting. I always have heard of Suge Knight dangling someone over a balcony. I did not know it was vanilla ice. That's, yeah. that's an interesting. That's an interesting element to that story that I've, I've heard of. <laughs> I didn't know. That's great. Well, I wonder. You know, the last I think doesn't Vanilla Ice host a like home improvement or like it or ran like a, for like six or seven seasons, but it did end. <laughs> Six or seven seasons? Yeah. That's a long time. That's like seven years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time for to have Vanilla Ice as your host of like house flipping shows. Well, like, I mean, what else was he going to do after his failed music career? Right. Like, so, and that's what makes it so, right. It makes it sad that you see him like, oh, this is what it's come to, Vanilla Ice. This is what your career has led you to at this point. It's really come back with the Juggalos. They love him. <laughs> God damn it, that's hilarious. So I think I heard you say six Sir Mix a lot. Yep, Sir Mix a lot. What is the? I like big butts. Is that the name of the song? I, I can't remember. What's the name of the actual song? It's Baby Got Back. Baby Got Back. Yeah. I knew that. Uh, with the way that we run this show, you get the point if you get the artist. You <laughs> okay. don't get half points for just the title. Uh, it's an That's imperfect fair. system, but there are no real prizes. That's fair. So I didn't get a point for knowing... Well, I guess I didn't even know the, the name of the last you track. You didn't I get... Wrong. Yeah, I actually right. I should be marking these because this will be like the third time if I don't mark them. I don't remember what your score was at the end. I mean, it doesn't matter. Is <laughs> it really? A song that was so popular that it surprised no one that even a couple as thoroughly white bread as Ross Geller and Rachel Green could sing it without <laughs> confusing the lyrics. That was Baby Got Back, originally from Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yeah. The song was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for five consecutive weeks and earned Sir Mix-a-Lot a Grammy Award for Best Rap Solo Performance. Wow. In 2020, former Governor of Alaska Sarah Palin performed Baby Got Back oh on God. The Masked Singer while dressed oh in a God. purple bear costume. So stay tuned after the show, because we will definitely <laughs> be playing you that one. And because both versions of the song tonight failed to feature the intro, and because Katie has never really lost her Valley Girl accent, <laughs> I'm going to let her do the infamous prelude for us now. Oh my what god. What is it? Do you oh not god, remember no. this? Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> I don't want to. You kind of have to. That is your role as a co-host. <laughs> oh my god. Becky, uh, yeah. look at her butt. It is so big. <laughs> she looks like one of those. So rap guys, girlfriends. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did enough. That's enough. That's enough. You should be an erotic like novel uh, you know, <laughs> reader for like Audible or whatever. Yeah. Uh, fuck you, Ryan. <laughs> Song number three. 
Oh, yeah. Cypress Hill. I don't know if I can place the track name. Insane in the Membrane, yeah. What's It's the other part of that. Oh. Insane got no brain? This is a decent cover if you're trying to just imitate what you're doing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Man, I had a phase in high school listening to Cypher Solo. Cypress Hill, in, in, Insane in the Brain. Yep, yeah, that's okay. it. All right, cool. There you go. That pathetic excuse for a cover was Insane <laughs> in the Brain. <laughs> one of those rare crossover hits, Insane in the Brain, hit number one on the rap charts and number 19 on the Billboard 100. As we talked about earlier, DJ Muggs produced the hit Jump Around, which was released one year prior to Insane in the Brain, and critics have since noted many similarities between the songs leading to the accusation that Insane in the Brain is a retooling of DJ Muggs' former hit. In interviews concerning the lyrics, Cypress Hill has noted that the line Insane in the Membrane was appropriated from gang lingo, as this was a popular phrase amongst both Bloods and Crips ah. as an informal insanity plea upon arrest. Oh, wow. That's interesting. It didn't work so well. It didn't seem that way. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that the, the, the there was like this, what, like ghetto lore surrounding the the hook of that song you know it makes it's like they say that pimps used to cover themselves in jewelry so that when they got arrested that that was like you know because they they can confiscate cash but they can't confiscate jewelry oh so that would be their bail right so that would be if they got arrested that's why they were covered in like you know gold chains and rings and like all that kind of stuff so that way they could use that to, to post bail because they can't huh. take that away from them yeah i did not know that mm. yeah there you go yeah the more you know <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, if you're out doing illegal, you know, shit, just buy some bling and then you're good to go. You know, you can post bail. You, can, you don't have to spend the night in jail. Yeah. I don't remember that. We're just going to go right on to song number four where it starts to get really weird. Into the bubble car era. When lightning and thunder clap, we can't drop. This is bad. This is really bad. Why did we think this was a good idea? You would know. Bob Marley? Yeah. Okay, You can grab the title for the lyrics if you listen. Okay. Oh, wow. Africa brought to America. It's oh, <laughs> like so maybe this was a bad idea. Oh god. Wow. Well, what makes it really even weirder for me is how did they get the rights to these songs? That is interesting. It yeah. must have cost a fortune. Yeah. Yeah, to make how many al- how many songs were on this album? 10. Okay. But uh two of them were covers of Ice Ice Baby. Oh, what? Wow. Two covers of Ice yeah. Ice Baby. That he did himself? So yeah. he's covering his own song. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> well, at that point, is it called a remix, remix? I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was that was a budget maneuver, I guess. Yeah. So probably because they they blew their money on the uh, the rights to all those other songs, and they're like, "Well, this is we can't have an eight album, you know, eight track album. We need we need at least two more." <laughs> well, no, <laughs> it was, it was, it was nine. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Oh, did... okay. Well, that was offensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was problematic, to say the least. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't... I mean, just given the fact that Bob Marley is, like, the household reggae guy, that's probably the only reason I was able to guess that, but I never really... I never had a reggae phase. That was not okay. something I never listened to reggae. Before. I never got super into it, either. I still listen to Bob Marley occasionally, but nothing mm. else. Yeah, I tried. I remember at one point being like, yeah, oh, reggae is a popular thing, and, like, sublime and shit, you know, like, people are listening to oh, that, God. so... Like, so I tried, you know, listening to I, it. I am so upset that it's 2021 and we still have to suffer through occasionally hearing a goddamn sublime song right. yeah like people just need to fucking stop <laughs> you know i will admit to not enjoying their music per se but i enjoy the like nostalgia of like the simplicity Ugh. of like the early 90s you and, like, wouldn't the feel if, good music you wouldn't if you fucking lived in humboldt county in california right. yeah. like it, the the nostalgia wears off very quickly because people just actually <laughs> listen yeah, to sublime nostalgia. there was a girl in my web design class in my senior year of high school that was super into sublime that i had a big crush on uh, I can't remember her name now, but uh, but yeah, she she liked Sublime. There was a small crew of Sublime kids at my high school. Well, yeah, a girl I had a crush on is also the reason why I went through a Linkin Park phase. Oh, man. So. I avoided that entirely. That was something. I, I missed the whole Linkin Park, like, you know, emo you know music kind of thing. Like that, that was a, I would say that's new no, metal. You're right. I was going to say, not, <laughs> not to say that, that, but like just that, anything tangential to that genre was something I didn't really listen to. And I even did have like a really big metal phase in high school. I listened to a ton of metal, but I was very choosy about what kind of metal I listened to. Um, like, Gojira was my favorite metal band because it was, like, explosive, like, super hardcore. But I didn't like the screamy, whiny kind of metal yeah, music. my girlfriend left me. I'm going to hurt myself. Right. Yeah, like, that's not metal. Like, that's not <laughs> hardcore. Like, whatever, man. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that you didn't fall into the trap of the uh, rap metal mixture that happened. You know, I... I, I it, I have observed in the past that the two genres are actually remarkably similar uh, in the way that they both will have breakdowns. <laughs> Don't say. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I mean, it's the thing, and it's it's funny because, like, if you show a, a metal song, like a good metal song to, you know, I'll just say, like, a fan of hip-hop, like a black person... Uh, and showed it to them, they'd be like, yeah, okay, that's cool. You show a hip-hop song to, like, a hardcore metal white guy, he's probably not going to like it. And that's because of racism. Pretty, pretty big generalization. <laughs> it is a big generalization, but in my experience, I have found that a lot of, like, having had these conversations with, like, hardcore metal fans, that I'm like, yeah, like, hip-hop, it's similar, you should check out these songs, and they're just like, no, like, I don't like, this is, you know, this isn't the shit I want to listen to or whatever, and I'm just like, oh, so you're just closed off to another sound that actually is remarkably similar to what you enjoy. I wonder why. <laughs> I guess in your defense, the uh, a lot of like the black metal artists probably not super into hip hop either. Yeah, that's guess that's true. Yeah, but anyways, problematic queries aside, uh, <laughs> yeah, I did listen to like the you know we were talking earlier about the Anthrax Public yeah. Enemy you know thing and. I don't know, like Corn oh, kind of had uh, Run DMC and Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah, that's one. And then there was the yeah Corn and was it Wu Tang or something like that? I can't remember. Oh. Did they collaborate? I, I thought that no, Corn just uh, dabbled. Limp Biscuit in. and Wu Tang collaborated yeah, that's a lot. Right. I know Corn did something. Maybe it was with Ice Cube. Uh, there's a Corn there's song. A, there's a Ice lot Cube. of these new metal artists that, especially the rap rock ones, that did have. Like, they like embrace, especially the Wu Tang, because they were just all about getting their name anywhere you could. Put them like they were for hire. You could they have a uh, like old dirty appears on an insane clown posse right, album. Right, yeah, God, insane clown posse. I didn't really have a phase of in like, but I did listen to insane clown posse for a while. But Ooh. I was never like a juggalo. Like I was never into that thing. But I <laughs> how many I, albums did you own? Uh, I didn't. Well, I didn't own any because I was either stealing it from the internet or okay. I was just streaming it. I was. I came in. My my. You know, my age group put me right at the beginnings of of music streaming, and I remember having Spotify and like listening to Insane Clown Posse, and like my friends and I were a bunch of like you know. I don't know, edgy, alternative, like, you know. Well, homies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> homies. Yeah, right. Uh, but no, like, I don't know. They're, we just have, were nihilistic and very, like, we could get down to that just fuck you kind of music. You know, like, you know, this isn't this isn't for you, mainstream media. Like, that was kind of shit that I liked. But I never, I don't know, like, when the Workaholics episode of Juggalo, the Juggalo episode of Workaholics came out, that I felt really spoke to me. Because it's just like, you can like <laughs> be really entertained and be endeared to the Juggalo scene, but not necessarily like understand or like or relate to wanting to be a Juggalo. Or go I grew up really wanting to go to a Burning Man. Yeah. And at this point, it's done. It, it, like It's just a retreat for 
Silicon Valley. Really? People. Yeah, I mean that's what it is now. Is it's a place where like cool tech companies take their employees for really? their retreats. So that's it's a shame. Crazy expensive I didn't know to that. go, and like it's not what it used to be. But the gathering yeah. is exactly what it used to be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm still torn on whether or not I would want to go to a gathering. Or I not. don't know. Like I see videos and I hunt them out because I'm fascinated by mm. the subculture. Mm-hmm. And I am there's too. weird stuff happening there. Yeah. I don't know if I could fit in enough. Right. I agree. I feel like I would be really out of place, and I would feel like it's, I I don't want to go and like shit on people and go and no. be like, yeah, I'm here. Like this is a joke to me. Like I don't want to be that. I don't want to talk to them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> want to associate with the kinds of people that legitimately unironically go to a gathering i'm sure they're lovely people but it's just not my scene even though they say that it's like they're the safest festivals or whatever because like there's like no fights at gatherings is what i've heard like apparently like, th- th- what i've heard is that at a gathering if a fight starts to happen like everybody starts chanting family and then like the, they, they don't fight or whatever and so allegedly the gatherings are like among the safest like music festivals to go to is what I've heard. I also, a lot of public sex. Yeah, and... that I expect. Yeah, and like gross sex, gross, right? Gross like, sex. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen videos of like a lot of mud pits. Yeah, a lot of fago, sticky yeah, fago, covered sticky people. Fago covered yeah. people. People right. passed out drunk at yeah. eleven a.m. Right. in yeah. a lawn chair. Not, not my thing. Not, this not is like thing. the like fifth time and we've recorded maybe five episodes I think, and I think ICP has brought up <laughs> we all secretly love ICP yeah, like, it in. we're just working towards the day where I mean, we can just be like so like that song was good it's though, pretty right? good though right? yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> we're fascinated by the they are extremely culture. fascinating that is for sure yeah so that was Bob Marley. Okay. With Buffalo Soldier. Okay. Does that count? Do I get? I yeah, you say, got that okay, one. So that's what is that? Three points. That's three that's... points for me. I got. Or no, I guess because I got yeah, Sir Mix a lot, and I got uh, Cypress Hill, and I got uh, and Sir Mix. Yeah, yeah. Bob okay. Marley. Yeah. Three so uh, <clears throat> the song was released in 1978. Uh, <clears throat> oh, sorry, recorded in 1978, but not released until 1983, two years after Marley's death on a compilation of unreleased Bob Marley and the Whalers songs. It has since become one of his best-known hits. Buffalo Soldiers was a title originally given to black troops serving in the Indian Wars. Hmm. The etymology seeming to come from the indigenous people of North America comparing the black men's hair to that of the buffalo pelt. Though the goal of the actual Buffalo Soldiers was largely to prevent indigenous people from impeding the development of lands violently taken from them, Marley recast their legacy for the song as a symbol of black resistance, which, again, is what makes Rob Van Winkle sing a lyric like, stolen from Africa, brought to America, <laughs> fighting on arrival, fighting for survival, just That's really bad. feel... Who is his publicist? Yeah, right, that's so... Like... I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, there, there had to have been a number of meetings where at multiple points men with agency were like yeah we by do that. 2008 buffalo soldier is an expensive song right. to get the rights right. to and as so, well <laughs> like a number of people listened to that track before it was released and they were like yeah let's do it that's yeah. a good and idea just by the way this next one's going to be worse oh boy okay yep we're gonna go right into song five and it's gonna make all of us feel really icky oh boy okay oh no Oh, jeez. Oh, 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 jeez. <laughs> Radio Rahim, right? Yeah. This is like such an impression. It's such an impression. It's like well, just rapping as a white poser about the struggle of. But like he's all yeah. The lyrics are one thing, but like like that is very problematic that a white man is singing this. But like he is literally doing an impression. Like 
everything about this song is disgusting. That's pretty bad. <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's Fight the Power. Yeah. Uh, is it Public Enemy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's Public Enemy. That's Fight the Power. All right. Do the right thing, Mookie. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if Buffalo Soldier felt jarring. I don't know how everyone else is feeling about a Vanilla Ice cover of Public Enemies, Fight the Power. That's really You're bad. welcome for <laughs> now knowing that this exists. That's pretty bad. That's that's definitely up there in problematic music just in general. It's it's one thing to cover Public Enemy and to just take the backing track and replace your own vocals. Yeah. It's a whole other thing to do the Chuck D voice. Oh, yes! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it feels weird. Well, that's definitely not cool. <laughs> <laughs> with something like Cyber Cell, I'm almost okay with it because of that nasally, like, yeah. he's doing a voice. Right. That is Chuck D's voice. Yeah, no, right. He's not, that's just what he sounds like <laughs> yeah. in reps. Yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's no good. Well, Vanilla Ice, shame on you. <laughs> Fight the Power is among Public Enemy's best known songs. First appearing on the soundtrack to Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, and later on their 1990 album Fear of a Black Planet. The song hit number one on the Billboard Hot Rap Singles charts, and has since been described as one of the best songs of all time by multiple critics and publications. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, it's interesting, actually, just thinking about it, and like you said, the uh, oh. Sir Mix-a-Lot got a Grammy, and like, it was, I don't know, got a gold record or whatever for Baby Got Back. And then this, like, this song, I would, I mean, even just comparing those two songs, like, this one is, I think, more highly critically acclaimed than yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Baby Got Back. Uh, it didn't sell it nearly as well because it wasn't a crossover hit. Yeah, and it wasn't, like, a pop jam, I guess. Or I guess it was, but, like, you know, Baby Got Back, it's, like, that's a fun party song, but Fight the Power, that's, like, that's a yeah. protest song. Well, I mean, like, that's the reason why the Grammys don't fucking matter, yeah, right ultimately. But I guess what I was... Like, music of substance. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking now is that, like, and I guess I, I'm not really hip on, like, what wins Grammys or like I never watched the Grammys but like you know I remember Kendrick getting snubbed for To Pimp a Butterfly and whoever did win like I remember shouting him out like during his his acceptance speech just basically being like this should be yours like To Pimp a Butterfly was a masterpiece and it's a shame that they didn't give it to you like you you won but you know I got the award I guess Uh, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that like the scale of like artistic integrity and like significance I think is higher now for critically acclaimed hip hop music, and and it's it's interesting thinking about that like modern day important hip hop compared to yeah like Public Enemy Fight the Power like Fight the Power and especially made famous by Do the Right Thing and like the and the place that it holds in the metaphor of that movie, um, but it doesn't sound like a really important song. Like if you just showed it to somebody that had never heard that song before, they'd be like, okay, yeah, like this is a cool hype jam or whatever. But if you play like you know To Pimp a Butterfly or even Damn. For somebody like I don't know, I feel like they could really get that. It's like, ooh, this is deep. Like this has got some depth to it. Like this isn't just like a, a catchy hip hop song. Like this actually is like poetry. I think that speaks more to how times have changed than a public enemy. You know, what is it? The Seinfeld effect, mm-hmm. where um, because people who watch Seinfeld now who didn't grow up watching it mm-hmm. watch Seinfeld, they're like, well, this is just a trope. This is like not funny because it's done all the time. Right. When like Seinfeld created the Seinfeld trope. Created right. the trope. Okay, sure. So you're looking at Public Enemy, and there was nothing like it. Before. Right. Yeah, that was the. I mean, that was the first quote unquote hardcore hip hop group, right? Like, because you know before like, public... definitely mixing politics into like especially what they're doing. Right, and like. I guess I don't, I'm not super up on like other mainstream rap artists or rap groups from when Public Enemy hit the yeah, scene. Late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, uh, and I know like that was kind of when hip hop, like in the nineties. I mean, I think it's a quote from that movie. I can't remember the name of that movie now. That. Uh, I can't remember, but anyways, it's just the '90s. I think is like one of my favorite eras of hip hop music. Oh, the golden age! It really was, yeah. and it's like that's when hip hop kind of had its era of self discovery and just kind of like, what can we do with this genre and like, what kind of stuff can we try? And then similar with rock music, it like had a falling out in the yeah. late '90s, early right. 2000s. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just you know, it's, you know, out with the old and with the new kind of thing, and like, and that's one of the reasons why. I mean, in the 20 teens when, like, trap music was getting super popular, that was, like, the height of my, like, oh, I, I ate it up. Like, I was super into that scene, and it was very much like, this is the new music, this is the new sound. Like, it's really popular. It's taken the world by storm. And, like, now, like, trap music isn't what it was in, like, 2017, 20, like, 2013 to 2017, I think. Uh, even though I think it started probably in, like, the late 
like you know to, to 2007 to 2010 is probably when it started and then it kind of really took hit its stride in like 2013 to 2017 uh and that's when like gucci mane's coming up and like the awful records label is like popping off and like you know you got uh I don't know, just a lot of guys doing that kind of sound. Uh, and I was super wrapped up in it, and I was getting super just heavy mixed into the, like, this is the new thing. And now I guess what I'm trying to say is that if you listen to a lot of hit rap songs, there's it's trap. It's a trap beat. It's, it's the, the writing hi-hat. And, like, there's just there's a certain, I don't know, I'm not a music, you know, major, so I don't know the, the jargon. But I know that there's a certain time signature and, like, beat that goes with trap music, and that is in almost every hit hip-hop song now. So say what you want about the the cheesy white kid listening to trap music in the 20 teens, uh, but that shit popped off, and now it's like on every top chart song, at least you know hip hop song now currently. But, uh, I guess I'm ahead of the curve. An evolution. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're conscious of the evolution. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I enjoy the most about it, and like, and and having a pretty healthy like understanding of '90s hip hop. Like my favorite, like I often say that my like favorite, one of my favorite rappers, was uh, Quasimodo or Madlib, um, and uh, also like Doctor Octagon slash Cool Keys slash Doctor was it Doctor Doom? Yeah. Uh, like that's all the same person. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, and like Deltron and like you know a Tribe Called Quest and like all that. Like I love all of that sound. Like that yeah. sound is so much fun and it's like super. I don't know. A lot of it is really important. Um, and yeah, they just, it just doesn't sound like that anymore. Like hip hop doesn't sound. Like what's that. super lovely is that, like, I mean, obviously, Public Enemy came out in a place of political turmoil, right? And so, like, I feel like music in general is getting back to being yeah. solely more focused on issues, and it it's obviously more profound yeah. because of that. But it also like has brought back like highlights of people who continue to do that in this like blank phase like i said earlier like the late 2000s early 90s there were still bands that were conscientious about what they were putting out absolutely and still had very powerful statements but it was completely overshadowed Mm -hmm. by idiots that were playing on this podcast (laughs) on a regular basis so like it it like i feel like the time that we're living in now like there's artists from the like late 90s that were Mm -hmm. not as popular in that point or in that point for having like socially conscious yeah music yeah, and, and people are rediscovering it. Which yeah. Is it's true. And that is kind of interesting when you think about modern hip-hop music, just to continue the conversation, is that, like, you know, and I've talked at length about how it's different now. Like, the way that, you know, you have success, I mean, any kid can post a beat on SoundCloud and suddenly become famous, like, in a weekend. Like, yeah, that can like, happen. Yeah, I don't follow a lot of modern hip-hop, but I do, like, a lot of dream pop and, like, bedroom pop. Sure, yeah. And, yeah, you see those guys just pop up overnight. Yeah, just literally yeah. instantly. It's, like, it's, it's changed the entire music industry. Like, yeah. we had a point where, like, record labels were important and mm-hmm. artists are now at the point that, where, yeah. like, they don't have to do that at all and they also don't have to be on tour constantly to make money yeah, yeah like people are actually like paying for their music now camps, like, like yeah like, you can yeah. self-publish your music like mm-hmm. uh kuko and is, start is a to make great a example i like, think because he's career yeah got on to uh, put out a bunch of songs recorded in his bedroom it just ended up growing in the mexican community and mm-hmm. then like less than six months later he's being profiled in npr oh, and wow. he still owns all of his own music yeah well, i think he has signed a label at this point but like especially his early albums that are bestsellers, that is his music that he sells independently. And that's a really interesting... And I think that that's exactly, like, the point that artists are starting to get to understand. Like, having complete ownership over your fucking art is incredibly important. It's a big deal, for sure. Yeah, no, Gucci's on that. Uh, Even Amigos with the YRN label that they started. Young Dolph is another, like, modern, like, hip-hop star that started his own label. And, and, like, I mean, Tech 9 I think, is, like, the quintessential example of someone just being like, no, I I own entirely from the ground up my business and my music but no effects is another one that started early on it that was like the the 90s version where they were like putting out songs they're like we need to tear down the record industry we mm-hmm. need to do our own thing and then they make their own label and they right. give their artists their own rights and mm-hmm. yeah um that was definitely i think if no effects came out now it'd be told like actually more successful in their uh, um, stylistically, probably stylistically, not. Stylistically, no, probably <laughs> not. But uh, their message... Uh, they didn't have a fucking message. They, they, they sure. sprinkled in politics. 
when it was important to them. Mm-hmm. Do not glorify. Mm-hmm. I like no effects is fine. <laughs> They're I'm fine. No but you, a yeah, bit. We don't need to like, do that. <laughs> and also like I mean most people appreciated like fat records but not all of them did at the same time yeah, like, that's a good it's, point. It's, there's a there's a very long sticky a, yeah. conversation about diy so <laughs> we're just gonna go right to the bonus question oh okay <laughs> so you've gotten four points i can't remember there's another one we have somebody where they got every single song right plus all the bonus songs. sarah sarah got like nine points so you will oh, wow. if you can get this bonus question right we'll double your points and you'll be in second place of okay. all time all right uh, it's a pretty simple one. Okay. If you're going to get it right or you're going to get it wrong. Uh, well, I was about to say, you're teeing me up here. So. Uh, I have said Vanilla Ice's real name multiple times over the course of this know. podcast. <laughs> what was it? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's Rob something. I don't even remember. Like Kerwinkle or like Kren- Rob Krenwinkle? Kerwinkle? You're not. No. It's like, I, it's like I, Krenwinkle. Is it Krenwinkle? Do I get oh, the bonus oh, points? Van Winkle, right? Oh, gee. I just keep, I just keep thinking Pappy. Pappy Van Winkle. You're on the right track. Oh, God. Van Buren? Van- no. No, it's Van Winkle. I can't remember the first part. Katie already said it. Oh, fuck. It, it's not Van Buren? No. Van Winkle. Van Buren. <laughs> Is it Rob? Rob Van Winkle? That's it. Oh my god. All right, cool. I took it. Yeah. I sounded it out. Yeah. Thanks, Katie. Yeah, it sounded it out for me. Yeah. That's eight points for Ted. Hell yeah. I'll take it. The second highest ever, depending on the order in which we release these episodes. And quite, <laughs> and quite frankly, I mean, now that we have like a, re- a couple episodes, you know, down, uh, you might have to go head to head with Sarah May oh, on. Some I don't music, even know how to maybe. do that because that was also a, one that we specifically did for her because she did so poorly the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many other genres I would be able to do this well with. I guess just to be blunt, because uh, like I don't know for I don't know like I listen to a lot of of like soul music, funk music, and like you know uh, and like older uh, like I, I had like a I still actually listen to Frank Zappa a fair amount. And like stuff like that, but I didn't go super deep into any of those genres. The, way the, that long, I the longer I put together these scripts, the more I'm realizing it has less to do with really what you were listening to as much as what you were watching on television. Okay, yeah. Because if you were watching Dawson's Creek, The O.C., One Tree Hill, Everwood, uh, you know these songs. That's funny. I didn't watch any of those shows. So... That's going to make it tough for you. I mean, I mean, we could also bring you head-to-head with Karen Ann, oh, too, sure. which would be hilarious. Oh, yeah, so Karen Ann's episode was... Uh, right. It was uh, anti-torture jam. Yeah, that's so right, songs yeah. that you definitely know, we but played like, she didn't know any of them. She yeah, didn't right. know any of I heard about the Umbop debacle. Yeah, I heard about that. That's funny. Uh, my high school, for a while, did a, a fundraiser uh, called Stop the Bop. Uh, and during <laughs> and during every passing period for like months, they played Mbop over the the intercon uh, or intercom uh, that between sounds classes. Like torture. Exactly, it was. And the funny thing was, is that was the whole point. Was that it's like, oh, this is horrible. Donate money, and when we get to the thing, we'll stop playing. Oh we'll my stop gosh! But they never did. They never reached their goal, and it just went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. So we're listening to this Mbop song in between our classes, uh, and then finally the administration just had to cave and just stop. <laughs> They're like, well, we're not going to meet our goal. We're just not, we have to stop anyways. Oh my gosh! That is taking torture jams to a new. It level. was extreme. I mean, yeah, like weeks, the U.S. Was... government does use music as, as a form of torture. Yeah, what was, was the was... one we were talking? It was like Britney Spears, and no, they also it was, have uh, bodies. Bodies by dead, drowning, drowning pool, pool? Oh, was, drowning was pool. literally used as torture wow. because they played it for That's like three hilarious. days. I had, I had a phase where I thought that song was cool. Uh, oh my god! Yeah. So we haven't figured out how to end the show yet, but uh, what you been watching? Oh yeah. well, uh, do you have anything that you are interested you in? Pitch? Media? I have lots of things that I'm interested in for sure. Uh, Media that you want to tell people I'm, about? I'm watching through Game of Thrones again. We could talk uh, about that. Let's uh, not. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I have things to say about that. Just because uh, uh, I'll keep it short, and all I'll say is that uh, we all. Yeah. All I'm gonna <laughs> say. No, it's not. What I'm trying to say is the ending of Game of Thrones is trash. Like we were all disappointed. They wasted eight years of our lives, like literally. Like, it's, a hot it's, take. It's, it's, it's terrible. That's not a hot take. 
<laughs> all I'm saying is now I'm fa- I'm interested in watching through it again with like new eyes, being like, okay, one, I this will be the first time I've watched through the entire series just back to back, like just straight into it. Before the season eight came out, I watched through all of it uh, and finished like maybe a month and a half or two months before the last season aired, and so I guess I'm curious what if any difference it will have on me now knowing what is happening what knowing what to expect and there will be less shock when things i don't like happen and it's just so i don't know i'm just curious if it'll look any different now. okay well like i mean let's scrub that do you have anything like interesting other because game of thrones is not um that you would like to plug uh, like just other shows? Other, you could do other shows if you're reading something, if you're listening to an album that you really love, that you mm. want to give attention to. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about, well, I mean, we're, so Playboy Cardi's newest album, I don't know if you guys have listened to it, a whole lot of red. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Playboy Cardi at all. Nope. We uh, did not listen to hip hop after 1997. I didn't think so. <laughs> well, it's interesting. It's kind of a shame because I guess we won't have a super juicy conversation about it because Playboy Cardi is an interesting figure in the hip hop space right now because he came in and like got super popular off of what a lot of like, you know, heavy hitting rappers would have shit all over just being like, oh, this isn't like he's not rapping. It's all ad libs and it's just like big beats and that's all there is to it. But there is some magic that he's doing because there's a lot of guys that are doing that. A lot of rappers that are just doing just bullshit ad libs and cool beats. And like, it's maybe it's fun to listen to, but it's, I don't know, there's, there's just not like a, there's no heart to it. But there's something about Playboy Cardi's sound that is just really good. And like, Whole Lot of Red came out, uh, I don't know, a few months ago. And the first time I listened to it, uh, I, I don't know, I didn't love it. And I, and I did have the reaction of just like, okay, this is Playboy Cardi. He's just doing ad libs and like the beats are good, but like, you know, whatever. But then I ended up listening to the album like four times that week. And like, I'm at work, like listening to it and like bobbing my head and it's just like super, the beats are like. It's a slow burn. Yeah, kind of. And like, it is a lot of ad libs. Like he doesn't really rap. Like there's no verses per se. But it's really hard, and it like really it just it hits you really right, and like the beats are really good. Like the, the if you're into like hardcore like hip hop beats and like trap music and like just a lot of layers to the to the 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 tracks, like it's really well done. And my roommate and I have been joking about like I want to like I don't understand why this is so good. Why is this so good? Like it doesn't seem like it should be good, but it's really good. I keep listening to it. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So, I don't know. Playboy Cardi is an interesting guy. Well, considering how my music tastes have evolved, I look forward to getting into modern hip-hop in the somewhere uh, about 20 years down the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in 20 years, give Pull Out of Red a, lot, a try. I think it's a good album. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thanks for those who might be listening at home. If you have songs uh, that you want to you think should appear on the show or you have some issues with anything that ted said today (laughs) please let me know i I want to be corrected (laughs) email torturejams at gmail.com we'll be back again uh not really sure on the schedule of releases yet but look forward to more torture jams in the future bye guys bye